going to be reading from Acts chapter 15, starting at verse 36. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we again can come to your word. Again, we can... We can just open up the scriptures and we can hear what your word has to say to us. Thank you that we, 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 we are taught how to, how to live godly life. We are taught what to do as a Christian. We are taught how to, how to worship you in spirit and truth. We are taught what you want from us. And you want us to glorify and honor your name every day. Our purpose is to, is to love you and to glorify you and to enjoy you. So Father, help us now as we come to the sermon. Help us to hear what your word has to say to us. Help me to be clear and understood. But help us all to listen. Help us. I pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I looked at this passage and I, and I thought, you now we can get into the debate about Barnabas and, and Paul, and we can get into what was going on there, which we will, in a very subtle way. But what really struck me was a few words where Paul said, and see how they are. Paul is not going to just walk across the street and see how they are. Paul's got to travel kilometers to see how they are. And that told me that Paul has a love for people. The question is to us, how is our love for people? How is our love for brothers and sisters in Christ? Let's bring it home. How is our love for the people in this church? Not the people you hang around with, not the people you get into cliques with, but what about the people that are, yeah, that you've probably never said hello to? Paul was a man that loved people. He had a love for people. Both for the unsaved and the saved. Because he wants to go back to the saved and see how they are. Then he goes further into his second missionary journey and he starts witnessing the gospel of Christ all over again to places that the gospel has not yet been taken to. So Paul has a love for people. He has a love for the, for the unsaved and saved. Listen to this verse about the unsaved. He himself wrote this. I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. Paul's love for the unsaved. What about Paul's love for the saved? Listen to this. He himself wrote this. There is a daily pressure on me 
and my anxiety for all the churches. There's his love for the saved. And, and, and how was his love shown to God? What well, was in his faithfulness to his calling? We read in Acts where the Lord spoke to Ananias and he said, But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, for Saul, which is Paul, is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. And Ananias had to go and tell Paul this, what the Lord had said to him. And Paul was faithful to that. We saw that in Acts chapter 13, um, verse 1 to 14, 28, the first missionary journey. We saw how faithful Paul was to his calling, how he suffered, how he was stoned and left for dead nearly. Paul has a love for Jesus and a love for people. What is your love, love like for Jesus, for people? The beautiful thing is, Paul's love for Jesus showed in his obedience and his faithfulness to Jesus. In his faithfulness to his calling. He loved to witness for Jesus. He embraced what Jesus did for him on the cross. And how he took that message, the message of the gospel of Christ, the message of the cross, and how he witnessed it into the lives of people, to the unsaved. And how he took the message of the cross and how he used it to disciple those that are saved. It's all about the cross. It's all about where Christ's, Christ's blood was shed for us. Where we are saved and where we are built up in Christ. And once again, as we turn to Acts chapter 15 and we go through to the verse 22 of Acts chapter 18, we're going to go on another beautiful second missionary journey with Paul. If I had the money, I'll put us all in a plane and let's go walk it. You have to take three years of work if you can do that. And we can enjoy that on foot. And let's see what he did and what he went through. But it's not going to happen. So we'll go through it from chapter to chapter, verse to verse. We won't spend three years, so don't worry. We'll spend hopefully a few months. But let's, let's, just, let's get into this letter. This, this, what we learn and what we read, should, should, should make us hunger and thirst after God's Word. To embrace the cross, to embrace the Scriptures, so we can cultivate this fruit of the Spirit, love for people. Loving God, which flows out into loving people. And yes, we're not perfect. We don't always love like we call to love. Me too. But God uses us through our imperfections to love. So let's not put ourselves on a pedestal and say, yes, I love because go to God and He'll bring you straight down and He'll humble you. Just, you don't love like God calls us to love. We don't. But Paul again, he goes to these different cities as he goes on the second missionary journey, as he takes the gospel of Christ to these different cities in the Greek provinces of Macedonia, Archaea, including Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, Athens and Corinth. Just to recap, the first missionary journey was one and a half years, covering 2,000 kilometers. 1,340 was by land, and the other 660 was by sea. And that happened in AD 67-47. Now, his second missionary journey covers about two and a half to three years, and it covers 4,346 kilometers. Land, 2,270 kilometers, and sea, 2,076 kilometers. And this happened around about 8048 to 51. 
And we grumble when we can't even just walk to go get the post out of the post box. And this guy's going on this massive journey. 4,346 kilometer missionary journey. And he does not know if he's going to return alive. But he's willing to lay down his life for the love of Christ and for the love of the people. And so we are going to go on this journey. The love of Christ controls Paul. It compels him to go out there and to love the people by sharing the gospel. So this morning, we hopefully we're going to look at Paul's love for people. And hopefully this will encourage us to love. If we're not loving, hopefully we will do something about it. And if we are loving, hopefully it will grow and increase our love for people. And especially the people in our church. The greatest commandment that Jesus said is go love one another. Love one another. For they will see then that you are my disciples. And we can only do this if we love God and then we have love for one another. Love our neighbor as ourselves. So to encourage us from this passage, there are two qualities from Paul's life found in Acts chapter 15 verses 36 to 41 to see how our love for people is. Let's measure our love against Paul's two qualities. And the first quality to see how love for people is Paul had a caring heart. Paul had a caring heart, which we're going to look at now in Acts 15 verses 36 to 38. And there it is in verse 36. Like I said, he said to Barnabas, Let us return, let us go visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Someone said, An earnest love makes us willing to give up our lives for one another. And this is what Paul's doing. He's utterly focused. He's focused not on himself. If he was self-centered, focused on himself, me, myself, I, he would not go. Or he might just go as far as Tarsus, his hometown where he came from. Because it was comfortable, he knew the people there. But no, Paul is focused on others. And the love of Christ and the love for people stirs him up to, to say to, to, to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. But I want to say to Paul, yeah, yeah, Paul, you have a concern for people, but Paul, you know they're fine. Come on, Paul. They're Christians. They say God has put a hedge around them. They're never going to get sick. They're never going to get ill. God is going to bless them with health and wealth. Come on, Paul, you know. You know they are not going to. There are going to be no problems. You're a Christian and you're safe in the hands of Christ. And Paul, you've been on a missionary journey. You came back fine. You came back healthy and wealthy. You came back with a back pocket full of money. Come on, Paul. Why do you want to go see how they are? Is that what really happened? Is that Christianity? We know Paul suffered. We know we're not exempt from illnesses and sicknesses. We know we're not exempt from false teaching that can cause conflict and division in the church, break up unity and working together in love and harmony. You know what corruption does? You know what corruption is doing to our country? Deceitfulness, wickedness, evilness. 
Forget about what it does to the country. Think about what it does in the churches. The churches are supposed to be a light in the community. But they become a, 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 a wicked place, a place of fighting and in-house, all about centered on, on the people, the leaders. And it shouldn't be like that. But Paul has decided, hey, I'm going to go and see how they are. One of us, come, let's go. But Paul's main reason why he wants to go see how they are, because he's worried about those false teachers that have gone ahead, that are going around saying it's not by grace through Jesus Christ alone. It's partly grace, partly Jesus, and it's partly circumcision and partly the law. You must, that's what makes you saved. And he wants to go and he wants to take these letters because he's concerned. Because he himself said to the, the, the Ephesian elders, Pay careful attention to yourself and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseas to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Paul's love stirs him up to have a comparing, a, a caring heart. He wants to go and strengthen and encourage these churches that him and Barnabas had shared the word with and God had saved and planted these churches in these different cities. But maybe you're asking, yes, Paul has a concern, he wants to go and warn them, but what? How did Paul get to such a point that he wants to return to these people? How do you get to a point where, where you, want to, you want to go and see someone and see how they are? Do you know where it starts? It starts in prayer. It starts praying for the people in our church. And hopefully as you pray for the people in our church, you will be stirred up to want to go see how they are. You want to go visit them. Take them out for a cup of coffee. Women with women and men with men. Or go to, as a families. Go for a milkshake. There's lovely places here to go and, and for children to play in the gardens. This is a beautiful community for that. But don't always go with the same people you see every weekend. Take a different family. Get out of your comfort zone. But it starts with prayer. Praying for people is an act of love. God has called us to love our enemy and our strangers. Not the same as we love our wives and the people in our church. We can show that we love our enemies by praying for them. Praying is an act of love. A genuine love desires to pray for people. And that is in private prayer. That's where it all starts. And also in corporate prayer. Where we come together as a body of believers and we pray together as a family. For our family. It would look really stupid if I called Timmy and Troy and Catherine and, 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 and ourselves to come and meet him. We're going to pray and I don't pray for them at all. The reason why we probably don't come together as a church in corporate prayer is because maybe we're not praying as a family. Because if we're praying as a family, it will rub off into praying as a church family. It all starts. Love starts in the home and it comes into the church and it goes out. If you can't love in the home, you will never love in the church. You will never love out there. It's simple. It's our love that needs to be nurtured. It's our love that needs to start somewhere. Paul wrote, let love be genuine. And then he goes on to say in the same passage, be constant in prayer. 
Paul prays for these brothers and cities and, and sisters in these different cities, and he stirred up for action. Prayer stirs you up to, for action. If you don't believe me, go read Nehemiah chapter 1. See how Nehemiah got to where he was in chapter 2, 3, and 4. It started in prayer. For six months he prayed for Jerusalem. And then the Lord stirred up his heart to go and fix the walls. Not for someone else to go and do the job. So often we pray, but we do nothing. There's no action. And, and James warns us, What's the point you have the goods and you don't share? That you just tap someone on the back and say, oh, let it go well with you, brother. I love you. I'll pray for you. But you have a cupboard full of stuff and you don't at all share. God sees our hearts, folks. God sees the hypocrisy. God sees the falseness in our hearts. <laughs> Me too. I'm not exempt. Whoa, I love the genuine. Whoa, we be constant in prayer. And Paul prays for these people. And he goes to them. The question is, and this is a really a good question we should all ask ourselves. I know there's a lot of folk in the church that, that go around and help people get from A to B and, and encourage people from A to B. But my question is, when we take someone for a cup of coffee, yes, we have a lovely chat, we have fellowship, if it's an unsafe person, do we have an opportunity to witness to them? But it can happen if it happens. If it doesn't, do we witness to them? Do we shy away? But let's look at it as a Christian, as a safe person. When you take someone for coffee or if you help someone, do you ever stop before they get out the car and say, Hey, Joe, I'm going to pray for you quickly. Or Joe, he has a scripture verse. May God encourage you through the day. Or is it just about duty? Taking someone and dropping them. Taking someone and dropping them. Or are we, actually, are we actually concerned for their whole being, their heart, their, encourage them and build them up? Do we have a caring heart that will lead for us to say, okay, Joe, before you climb out the car, I just want to pray for you. Do we do these things? Prayer motivated Paul to do what he did. His love for people drove him to pray. Dear Carson said, what motivated Paul to pray was a passion for people. Paul's prayer is the product of his passion for people. His unaffected vivency in prayer was not whipped up emotionalism, but the overflow of his love for brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And that's what led him to say, let us go and see how they are. And Barnabas and, and Paul obviously get into a disagreement in verses 37 to 38, we see that. They get into a bit of a disagreement. Barnabas wants to take with him John called Mark to go with, to visit the brothers and sisters. But Paul does not want to take him with because he had once deserted them. They contrast him. He has no confidence in him because he has failed him once before. In the earlier times, in the first missionary journey, he had to turn around. It tells us there... But Paul thought best not to take with them the one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. He pulled out. So Paul has no confidence. He has a right to say no. They might, they might have spent some time in prayer and, and talking to one another. 
But this did not stop Paul, his love for people, and his caring heart to go to these people. He did not allow Barnabas to dampen his caring heart. He still goes to visit these people. Because Paul is the one that has given us 1 Corinthians 13, where he's right, love endures. Does your love endure when hardships come your way or people disagree with you and people disappoint you? Does your love still endure? And Paul goes because he has a caring heart. Well, let's look at the second quality to see how our love for people is. Paul has an encouraging heart. Paul has a caring heart. Now in verses 39 to 41 of chapter 15, we see Paul has an encouraging heart. Heart. If you have a love for Jesus and a love for people, you're going to want to go and see how people are. You want to go and warn people. You want to go and, and, and help people. You're not going to let a Christian who is struggling suffer in ignorance and suffer in, 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 in unknown things. You want to go and share God's word, give him understanding, give him knowledge. Or if you know of someone that's been attacked by wolves, in sheep's clothing. You want to go and warn them. You want to go and encourage them. You're not going to just sit back and, and, and let these people be walked all over. Paul, this man of God, who has a love for people, shows that he has an encouraging heart as we look at this, at this next part of chapter 15, verses 36 to 41. And it comes up at, at the end of verse 41. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the, the churches. That's what love for people does. It stirs up your heart to encourage, to have an encouraging heart, to, to go. Paul also wrote to the church of Thessalonica and said, Therefore encourage one another and build up one another. What do we use to encourage one another? What do we use to build one another up? Well, we take the scriptures. We build them up in God's word. Paul took that letter with him and he would have built them up in that letter from the Jerusalem council. But there's still a problem. We notice in verse 39 that, that yes, Paul wanted to take, Paul, I mean Barnabas wanted to take Mark with, Paul said no, and there in verse 39 arose a sharp disagreement between Paul and Barnabas over Mark. And they just parted company. Yeah, we see God in His sovereign will, in His providence, working all things according to the counsel of His will, opening up two missionary teams, causing these two great witnesses for Christ Jesus to form two teams. Eventually Barnabas, with the blessing of the church, goes back to Cyprus with Mark. And Paul and Silas with the blessing of the church, they are commended to the, to the grace of the Lord from by the church, go off on this second missionary journey. What amazes me is there you had Paul and Barnabas, who were these two faithful, loving servants, how they brought unity to the church of Jerusalem and then to the church of Antioch in disagreement. But they can't settle their own disagreement. Someone said, disturbing and painful 
as these conflicts are, they're often found in church history, and yet God is able to overrule them and accomplish his purposes. Like I said, two missionary teams go off to bring glory and honour to God. There's so much here. If you love Jesus, you're not going to let people that disappoint you play with your emotions. Paul could have just said, that's it. I've done enough here in the church of Antioch. I'm just game. You guys can sort out your problems. Or Barnabas could have said the same. That's it, guys. Cheers. I'm off to Cyprus. That's where I live. I'm taking whoever wants to come with me. No, there was unity in them settling this disagreement. There was unity and love because because the, 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 the visible indication is that the church, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord, the church agreed. You go that way, you go that way. If there was disunity and if there was conflict and there was... There was no peace. The church would never have blessed their journey and commended them to the grace of the Lord. But you can see from that, there was peace and love and harmony and Paul goes one way and Barnabas goes the other way. And we mustn't overlook the fact that this is a very difficult journey. Paul needs 100% agreement with those that are going to go with him. He needs people to work together in love and harmony. 100%. He needs 100% trust. 100% mutual support. Which Mark did not give him on the previous missionary journey. Did he deserve a second chance? Well, Barnabas obviously thinks so. Barnabas wanted to take him with, but it's obviously Barnabas wanted to take Mark with him because he was a cousin. He was related to Barnabas. Maybe Barnabas knew him a little bit better than Paul. But Mark had shown who he is by what he did. So Paul was going on that. But Paul had the wisdom and the insight just to say, no. He's not coming with. I guess the question is, is Paul not contradicting himself? My head in his love for people. You might be asking, but where's, where's Paul's love for people? Where's Paul's love for Mark? Why didn't he just give him that second chance? I mean, Paul, you're the one that tells us love is patient and that love endures. And you also say that let all that you do be done in love. So Paul, why, why are you now contradicting yourself? I've sat here and I've said you had a love for people, a love for God. So what is happening here? Well, we can have disagreements. There can be painful actions. What is happening does not mean or say that Paul does not love Mark. Because we know this Mark proved his success in ministry. We have the gospel according to Mark, from Mark. And in in Colossians chapter 4, we know that Paul came to love and appreciate Mark. He still loved Mark. I guarantee he prayed for Mark on his second missionary journey, that somehow God would bring them together and they can do one day work together in love and harmony. Just when there is disagreement at times and conflict, doesn't mean there's no love. 
Someone said, good and godly people in the church do disagree. This is one of the painful facts of life that we must accept. The separation of friends that can arise from differences of experience, insight or character. God changes His workmen, but His work goes right on. And like I said, the church commended the two of them. There was no hatred, there was no church split, there was no disagreement in the, in the sense that they're not going to go and do, they're going to do nothing now. No, they kept looking to the more excellent way, that is love. Love for God and love for man. So Paul takes his encouraging heart and him and Silas, by foot, they travel through Syria, the region around Antioch, which we saw on the map. And Cilicia, the region of Paul's hometown, Tarsus, strengthening the churches. So Paul goes on that, that 450 kilometer trip as they make their way to Derby. Because verse um, 16, chapter 16, verse 1 says, Paul came also to Derby and then to Lystra. So the trip from Antioch all the way to Derby is about 450 kilometers, about a 17 day journey by foot. But Paul's love for people just carries on. He takes his encouraging heart and he takes it to these people that he wants to warn about false teaching, who wants to build up in Christ. Someone said, no man on earth had a warmer and more devoted heart than the Apostle Paul. Love was the impulse of his whole life and ministry as Christ's apostle. For somewhere along the line, he embraced Christ's love for what he did on the cross. We need to go back and look what Christ accomplished for us on the cross. That is what feeds our love. That is what, what, what helps us to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit, love. We need to look at the cross and be built up in the cross so that we can also have a love for God and a love for people. That we can also be warm and affectionate people. And Paul's love for God flowed into the love for people. And he takes Scripture to these churches. And he strengthens them. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches, using Scripture. Why? Because he himself said, Scripture has been written to us for our instruction that through the endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might be strengthened so that we might have hope. We take Scripture to those we want to be saved. We take Scripture to those that are saved, that we want to be built up and encouraged. That's all Scripture. Half the time we take our, our, our story and it's all about us. We want the Holy Spirit to take the God's Word and, and, and work it into their hearts and either save them or build them up in Christ. We want to be strengthened by Scripture, which gives the Holy Spirit that's working with the Scripture the opportunity to strengthen our friends, our brothers and sisters, or if it's an unsaved person, that the Holy Spirit can work with the Scriptures in a mysterious way and save them and convict them of, of sin, righteousness and judgment. But Paul takes Scripture to these brothers and sisters because he knows that it's the only means that can strengthen their inner man. Because he himself prayed... When he prayed for the church of Ephesus, he said, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may be strengthening us with power through his spirit in the inner being. 
We need our inner being strengthened. We need our inner man to be encouraged. And it's Scripture that strengthens our inner man. It's Scripture that strengthens our heart. And that is what we take. If we love people, we'll take that to our church family. Those that are downcast, those that are weary, we take Scripture to them, to strengthen them. And this is so beautiful to see these two qualities in Paul's life. We see how his love for people flowed from a caring heart and an encouraging heart. Do we see that in ourselves this morning? Do we see love for people? Do we have a caring heart? Do we have an encouraging heart? Are we seeing ourselves take Scripture to people? We do a lot of physical, and that's beautiful that we help people, we lift people, but are we doing what God has really called us to do? To take His Word and sow it into the lives of people and, 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 and water those seeds and then God can grow it and bring it to fruition, especially those that are not saved. We talk so much about the unsaved, but what are we doing about it as brothers and sisters on the ground? Do we have a love for God, for Jesus? And is it shown in a love for people? Hopefully this morning, you're either encouraged to start loving people, or you're encouraged to, to increase in that love for people. And not just the same people you see day in and day out, different people. Look around you, it's brothers and sisters in Christ. How many of these folks have you had for lunch? Taken for a coffee, men on men and, and women on women. This is what we're called to do. We're called to be disciples. We're called to be followers of Christ. Did you see Christ just sitting at home? Did you see Jesus just doing his own thing? Do we see Paul just doing his own thing? We're going to meet a beautiful man, Lord willing, next week, Timothy. And we'll see another two qualities that made Paul have a love for people next week. But let us remember that God just didn't say, Catherine, I love you. Darby, I love you. Nadia, I love you. God just didn't tell us how much He loved us. He demonstrated His love. He showed His love for us. That while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. His love was an action for us, not just words. And then when you look to the cross, there you see sacrifice, propitiation, reconciliation, redemption. We know we deserve death, but there is the substitutionary atonement. There Christ died in our place. He took all the sin upon Himself, our sin. So we can look to Him, believe and put our faith and trust in Him and embrace Him. Why? So that God can pour out His love into our hearts. Which He does through the work of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. That's why it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's one of the, the, the fruits is love. We've got to cultivate this love. We look to God and receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit comes into us to take our eyes off ourselves and put them on Christ. 
And if He's in us, we will have a love for people. Like Paul, caring heart, encouraging heart. We will embrace God's love for us and our love for people. We will have a sacrificial love. And it will be a sacrificial action. Not perfect, but we will be a doer of the love that is in us. It will flow into the lives of people. Yeah, in our church where it starts. Let's pray. Father, we, we just thank you for... Not only, we just thank you for Jesus. We thank you for... Uh, he showed us how to love the unlovely. How He showed us to, to be a doer of doing His Father's will. How He showed us that love is an action. How He loved the unlovely. How He loved the sick, the poor. Father, help us to fix our eyes on Him and look to Him, the author and perfecter of our faith, to learn how to love like Him. Yes, He was fully God or truly God and truly man, but in His truly man, He had to learn to love. And then we look at Paul, and we can see Paul's passion for people, love for people, because He loved you, Father. He wasn't perfect, but through His imperfections, you used him. You poured out his love into his heart so that he could have a love for people, that he could have a caring heart and an encouraging heart for the people, for his brothers and sisters in Christ. And I pray that we will learn from Paul, that we will not just read this book and grow in knowledge, but we will grow in grace and love and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, so we can be a doer of the word. Learn to love here amongst each other. Help us, Father. Help us to embrace the cross and know that there on the cross your love has been poured out into hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us so we can have a sacrificial love. Help us, Father. Forgive us, Father, for we not do this. Forgive us for our, 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 our complacency, our laziness. Forgive us that we, that we turn up our noses to people. How dare we, Father? You never once turned up your nose to those you've saved. Unconditionally you saved them, you loved them. And you drew them to your Son and you rescued them from this dark world and transferred them into the kingdom of the beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And we, and we thank you, Father, for this. Help us. Help us to love through your lens. Help us to love everybody because everybody's created in the image of God. Everybody's of value, and we know there's the destination, hell or heaven. And it's up to us to share the cross, your cross, your son. I thank you, Father. We can just look at this passage, and we can learn to have a love for people through a caring heart and an encouraging heart. Help us, Father. We need your help. We need your grace. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.